welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hey, Bridget. Hey, how are you? Good. It's been it's been a little while. <laughs> I know. It's been a minute. You know, things are happening on, in both of our lives. I am right now in a average hotel room in somewhere in Illinois, um, not undisclosed location. Yeah. But, uh, you know, working on a Sunday, been working all day. And I'm happy to be here. How are you? Yeah, I am um, not in the best podcasting position, probably for acoustics, sort of like laying down on my bed and it's really hot and I'm like annoyed. We were talking about this before because they're, they're doing work on the apartment next door to mine on a Sunday and they're like drilling and they've been doing work all week. And it would have been super nice if they had maybe slipped a note under our apartment door being like, hey, just a heads up, we're doing work between these hours. But nope, none of that started bright and early Sunday morning. So, you know, um, almost nine months pregnant. So also just super comfortable right now. Everything feels great. But um, <laughs> Right, you're running like 60 mile weeks? Is that that's 60 what's mile weeks, yeah. um, mm-hmm, lots mm-hmm. of vert. I mm. actually raced and set a new mile <laughs> PR. No, that's all bullshit. I stopped running at like 26 weeks of, pre- of pregnancy. So if anyone ever wants to talk about like the, the people that can run until the minute they give birth, which like kudos to them versus like really having to stop, um, that I'd be happy to have that conversation because I was so cocky. I was like, yeah. <laughs> It's not really about like actual physical ability. It's just about will. It is not about will. It's about what can you physically do? What Um, was like, what was the first thing that like, that felt like this is going to stop me? Like, is it your back? Was it your ankles? Like what, what is it that just was like? Um, It was a little bit of my ankles actually, but it was more, I would start going and then I would get like sharp pain Mm -hmm. in my belly which I was like, that's probably not great. But it was, it was like a combo of like, probably not great for the baby, but also it's just like feels horrible. And why, why do something if it feels horrible? And then that kind of kept persisting. And then ultimately my doctor just, she, they told me to stop because of growth stuff. Um, and I was like, well, okay, fine. If you, if you insist, (laughs) um, but yeah, just not, not, you know, I, I really admire like women who can't, who, who can do it. And I'm definitely jealous of those who maybe don't have the same sort of pains, but for me, it's not, not happening, but swimming has been really nice, but oh my God, mm. I got to talk about my swimming for a minute. Sorry. People yeah. that like, are like, let's just get to this interview. <laughs> Cause I know there are a lot of you that are like, I didn't come to this podcast to like hear Mimi talk about swimming. But we're going to talk about the Palo Alto pool for a sec. Yeah. Okay. Because I freaking love it. Let's get into it. it. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I got a membership for the Rinconada pool in Palo Alto. And there are like people of all ages swimming, but a lot of, a lot of senior citizens and they kick my ass. I am way slower than them. It is so humbling and a, and a little embarrassing And I would be embarrassed if I cared, but I don't really care. But there's this one lifeguard who is like, she's like the mother hen of the pool. And typically like you need to share a lane and all of this stuff, but she will like rearrange people in the pool, like a game of Tetris. 
so that like everyone gets in the right, like the lane that they should yeah. be in. She'll like tell you if a lane opens up and then she will correct your swimming form. And I'm like, oh, we love, love her. You. We love her. I don't know her name, but she's great. So, you know, I feel that like it's so this great. Whole, whole like subculture. But it is like yeah. I'm sometimes intimidated going to public pools because I don't know what I'm doing. And then I'm like, oh, man. It's like any any kind of new environment where you're like, I don't know the rules. And I know that there are like unwritten rules. You know, you can tell that there is a culture, that there is the ways that people who are regulars do things. And that moment where you're like, ooh, okay, like I, I wish I had a guide. I wish I had someone here yeah. who's just going to be like, hey, newbie, like it's okay. Come over here to the newbie lane and um, yeah. I'll tell you that, you know, you're doing it all wrong, but in a very nice way. Like that's in all very- I want. Yeah. Totally. It's kind of like the track. Like if you're just running easy, like don't run in lane one, like (laughs) make sure you're running the same direction of the other like runners, unless you're like just doing strides in an outside lane, like sort of that same kind of etiquette. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And then I've just been enjoying all the great racing that's been happening over the summer, whether that's World Champs, Commonwealth Games, European Champs, Diamond League meets, road races, like, you know, front of the pod, Kira D'Amato, like kicking ass this morning at Falmouth and Did announcing, Steph I don't Bruce? know. Yeah, Steph Bruce winning NACAX. That was great. Yeah. But Kira is running um, the Berlin Marathon, which is awesome. So she announced that this morning and she's like, yeah, I think I could break my own American record. And I'm just like, I'm pumped for her. That's Sweet. So yeah, it's just been fun. I definitely like don't recommend browsing the Strava when you are not running a lot. It's a little like, oh my God. I'm like, yes, I walked two miles today. And it's like, had a 23 mile run, like with, you know, 15 miles at marathon pace. (laughs) And, um, but it's fun to see people getting, you know, ready for fall races. And like, it's, um, yeah, it's great. It is. It is fun. But yeah, the, the Strava when you when you can't run um, or you're not running is like just the, the FOMO is real. So is I real. missed this interview that you did that we're about to share. And I was so bummed because I am such a fan of this person. Um, and I really want to know. Um, so you were saying like, you know, you go in, you before you or early stages of pregnancy, you were really cocky. Have you seen this person's TikTok about that whole thing. And did you talk yeah, about it? Yeah. So Laura Green is our guest today. And I honestly, like I didn't know about Laura until I started following her or people reposted her Instagram reels. Yeah. And I was like, she's the funniest person ever. <laughs> and her content is so niche, but I'm obsessed. And then I saw her posting pictures with like Patty O'Leary and Amy Leadham. And I'm like, what is her connection to the Bay Area? And then I come to find she's like the founder of November Project San Francisco. And I was like, perfect. We're getting her on the pod. Like that's our, that's my in, but yeah, she has these great, uh, reels on like a, like running, running during pregnancy, but like running with a jogging stroller and then just like great videos of like taking on the personas of brands. And like, she's like, (laughs) she does like, um, like what she perceives, you know, like Kara Goucher and Des Linden, like what they're sort of experiencing when they're commenting races. And it's just, it's so good. So I had the the opportunity to talk to Laura a few days ago and, you know, I just thanked her because I think like as a pregnant person, like 
how I got into following her was so resonant, but it was so funny because we were just talking about like, it is the content she posts is so niche (laughs) that like my husband would just be like this. I don't, why is this funny? I don't know. Whereas like runners think it's hysterical and relate to it so well. But then she was talking about how like, even there's like some random things that like trail runners don't get versus <laughs> road runners. So it's like niche even within the running world, but it's so, it's so spot on that it like almost brings us all together. Cause like, it's like, oh yeah. Like it's like talking about pooping. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like we all just get it. Um, but she is just so, so authentic. Um, it is so easy to see why people were drawn to her when she started, um, San Francisco November project, why people are still drawn to her. So easy to talk to, so down to earth. Um, yeah, just a great, just a great chat, honestly. Yeah. I'm so excited to listen. Yeah. She, that's exactly who it seems like she is from all the places that I've kind of heard about her, seen her. Um, I loved She had a podcast that was just weird and quirky and awesome. Um, felt like very much like you're just having a, like you're eavesdropping on a, on fun conversations with friends called Wisconsin Notes. I don't think she's doing that anymore because she's actually sounds like doing like film project stuff, which I'm like, yes, please. We need yeah. her, her kind of vision, her voice, her, my voice is like literally cracking um, in the content creation space um, across the board. So yeah, she's doing, she's taking on a lot of things. She's got two kids. She's a physical therapist that so works at a hospital. And she's got this film production company. So she's doing sort of her own niche thing, but then she's also got clients. So a lot going on, but we talk a lot about how things have sort of like come full circle for her, which I think is super exciting. So we're not going to force you to listen to us any longer because that's not what you came here for. So enjoy this episode with Laura Green. Well, we're, we're starting because we've had like the adventure of technology and we still don't know what's wrong. So this could go either way, but we're off to a great start. Yeah, we're crushing it. <laughs> we're crushing it. Well, Laura Green, welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. We're so happy to have you here. We, I say we, because usually I have a co-host, Bridget, but uh, you just get me tonight. So I'm, I'm sorry because Bridget's a wonderful uh, co-host and always brings a lot to the table. So... We will miss her, but we're pumped to have you here. I was just telling you I'm almost nine months pregnant, but like one thing I've discovered in my pregnancy, which has been such a source of delight, has been your your reels, your videos. Is this your first baby? It's my first baby. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if my reels have been good or bad for you. No, they've been amazing because it's like everything has come true of like, oh yeah, I'm going to crush running while pregnant. Like, absolutely. And then I'm sure, you know, I've been researching jogging strollers and like Mm -hmm. yours with the jogging stroller is just like hysterical. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be my life. It's going to be awesome. There are some people who have an amazing time with it. And we still use our jogging stroller all the time. It's just maybe not those like fantasy 10 mile (laughs) runs I had in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that is what I have in my mind, right? Like I'm going to use my jogging stroller and then I'm going to be so much stronger and I'm going to PR in the marathon and like 
everything is just going to be amazing. But all those things can still come true for you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. But if like running while pregnancy has been any indication, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Well, again, we're so happy to have you. And, you know, obviously like I, I found your Instagram because people I know were reposting things and then that's how Instagram works. And then I stalked you and I was like, oh, and she was the founder and leader of November Project in San Francisco for five years. Got to get her on the pod. So yeah. we've got that that San Francisco Bay Area connection. So, I mean, I think that one thing that kind of like unites us is this desire to build community, particularly in the Bay Area. So we will get to that, I'm sure. But, you know, just to get started, like, did you go for a run today? What did today's workout look like? Oh, I did go for a run today. So I actually got a bib for the Falmouth Road Race, which is on oh, Sunday. Sweet. Yeah. I got my bib yesterday. <laughs> so nice. Can't say I've been training for this race. Um, for those who don't know, it's a seven mile run out in Cape Cod. And the East Coast doesn't have like a ton of like um, high profile road races aside from marathons. So this is one like the one of the summer, which is um, very popular. I think there's 10,000 runners. And so I've never done it. Um, and ASICS graciously has given me a bib. I haven't run more than like five miles at a time since like May because I've been injured or sick. And so I keep going back and forth between these two things because I have two kids that give me all the germs. So anyways, I went for a run today, just seeing if I could like pull this off and I ran four miles, but I also did half of a tour at Harvard stadium, which are those big concrete steps. Um, got my ass kicked. I don't know how Sunday's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'll finish and it will be fun and it will be a beautiful day. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And like the adrenaline will get you through it's seven miles. So it'll, the adrenaline will get you through the first three. Three. Yeah. So it's yeah. really just a four mile run. <laughs> yeah. It's really just a four mile run. And like, it does look like a lot of fun, you know? So regardless of what happens, like it'll yeah. be nice. I think my like, my mentality going into it is show up and blow up. Like I, I like want to blow up. I want to push myself like to the point where like, I'm actually trying not just like, well, I'm out of shape, I'm injured and I'm sick. So all these reasons make it so that I shouldn't try Like, no, I want to just like, like bonk and, and just like throw it all out there. And then, cause I haven't raced. I haven't been in a race since pre-pandemic. So this okay. is my first reintroduction. So. Wow. Does gotta this, go all out. Yeah. You got to go all out. I mean, I sound like a stalker, which I am like anyone on Instagram can be a stalker. It's fine. Does this have anything to do with what you posted earlier today about like, have you ever regretted, like go through like your races and just Oh my like, I have God. so many regrets. <laughs> so many regrets. So many embarrassing stories. So many like, well, so actually what I was referring to, because I was just talking to a friend about it, um, was CIM. Mm-hmm. I did it, I think it was 2017, 2017. And I was like five miles into the race and I looked down at my bib and I'm like, oh, it's really flat. Like, you know how sometimes they have those extended sensors? Yes. 
Yeah. So it's almost like, like a little rectangle. And it's like, a, that's the, your sensor for when you cross over the line and the splits and stuff. And I was like, wait, mine doesn't have the little sensor. And I looked around and the people around me had these little sensors on their shoelaces. And you know how sometimes they're on your shoelaces. Oh, and I'm like, I didn't get one for my shoelace. So I was like, oh my God, I'm not even being tracked. This doesn't even count. The whole point of it was to qualify for Boston for the next year. So I'm like, this doesn't even count. And I'm like running and I start slowing down. I get to the point where I'm like a near walk because I'm just pissed. And I'm like, well, I might as well just drop out now. Like there's no point in doing this. And then I was like, Laura, why don't you just ask someone? So I asked one of the runners where they got that sensor from. And they're like, oh, we're doing the relay. Oh, See, I know. <laughs> relays where they like pass it off to one another. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, I got to get back in this race. <laughs> So anyways, I think about things like that. Like, of course, there's always like the classic bathroom, embarrassing bathroom stories. But like, I've done stuff like that where it's like, you're such an idiot, Laura. Like, no, no, I would have the same reaction because, yeah, I mean, there are f- some flatter bibs now that I think about it. But like, usually they have like maybe like a styrofoam thing. They're a yeah. little. Yeah. And I've back in the day, I don't know how long ago, like you definitely had things that you tied to your shoelace. So I wouldn't have known. I know. And I'm like, am I just so out of touch that like technology has advanced while I was like <laughs> not racing, I suppose. Oh my gosh. That's but, yeah. something I would like have a nightmare about of like, oh, I forgot to put my sensor on just like I forgot to like put my, sh- wear my running shoes or something. Totally. totally. Cause if you don't get credit for it, then like, what's the point of us being out there? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I would hope that like, okay, maybe they have photos or like something. Right. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Wait. So, okay. Now I'm really interested what happened. Like how'd the race go? Oh, I actually PR'd. I think I ran a 313. Okay. So like it was maybe a good pacing strategy. Yeah. I came back. I came back from like a random like nine minute mile. And then I was able to pull it back. (laughs) It could have been a 311, but you know. Still Uh, good. That's so, that's funny. Um, So maybe like, let's take it back a little bit. How did you know, like take us on your first run. How did you start, start getting into running? Like, what did that look like as a kid, Uh, as a teenager? I, so I grew up like playing sports, soccer, basketball. I actually played basketball through high school, but I grew up in a big family. And so I have two brothers and two sisters and everybody ran and I'm the middle child. And so my brother kind of really set the precedent in our family of like, not only did he do it, but he was good. So we were like, well, then maybe we'll be good. And so then my older sister got really into it. They did three seasons, XC, you know, indoor, outdoor, but I always played basketball and soccer. But as like high school kind of like started, like, and I just, I loved it. I loved cross country. And yeah, I guess as like track, as, as high school started to kind of like carry on, you're like start thinking about college. And so I had to get a little bit more serious about it. Um, because I didn't know that I wanted to run in college. And so I had to give up my first love of soccer. And because for some reason, we were the only section in New York State where soccer, women's soccer, girl soccer was in the spring. So like, um, that was our, um, our crossover. But yeah, so it was just like, for me, a very fun team sport. And I was very lucky. I went to a really big high school in upstate New York. And New York in general is an incredibly competitive high school scene. And we had amazing coaches, like very supportive coaches. There's still some of like 
two of the people that I look up to most and also like had a really good way of balancing like great coaching to make some of the best athletes and then also just like very supportive. And, um, so I think that that base is actually like what set me up and my, my siblings for running for life because they gave us such a healthy relationship with the sport from when we were 13. I mean, I was in middle school, but running for varsity. So I was like taking the bus over, you know? Um, so it was like this like little girl, you know, So yeah, I was very lucky. And so that base just kind of carried me on. That's awesome. And then you continued in college? Continued in college. I ran at Northeastern University in Boston. I had a ball. I ran there for five years and majored in physical therapy and partied a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Balance is key. You know, balance is key. And I would imagine actually Bridget, our co-host, um, also went to North Northeastern. So Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah, so you have that connection. And then my I have a ton of family. Well, not so much anymore. This is morbid. I'm like, they all are old and they all died. But like I used to have a ton of family in Boston. Um, like my dad's originally from Boston and definitely thought about going to college there and ended up going to college in New York city. So a little different, but a little different. Yeah. A little different. I mean, Boston's such a college town. There's like 30 colleges. I know. Yeah. You got to have fun. You got to like do, you know, work hard, play hard. I don't know. So, so college is where you met the November project founders, right? I did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the two co-founders, Brogan and Boyan, rode crew at Northeast. Mm -hmm. And they were a few years older than me. I wasn't like particularly close friends with them in college, but like went to the same parties. <laughs> um, and Brogan actually would like run with the women's track team sometimes, which is like, like looking back, I'm like, that was so obnoxious of you. Um, but he's six, six. And so his stride, like our little strides were like, and he would just be like galloping along. But anyways, I knew them, I partied with them, but it wasn't until, I think two or three years after I had graduated that they had started NP in Boston. I had just come back for like a few months. I was a traveling physical therapist. So I moved Mm -hmm. every three to six months and I had just come back and I was like, Oh, I'll come to this silly little thing that you guys are doing. Um, and then, then it took off from there. And then you (laughs) became a lifer. Um, yeah. So, well, a few things like traveling physical therapy. So when you're doing that, because, you know, one of the amazing things about November Project, and there's a lot, is I was looking at the map and just like how you can be in almost any city, like now nationally and and globally even, and like find a November Project to hop into. So when you're traveling as a PT, are you training on your own? Are you looking for run groups? Like, are you using it as an opportunity to explore what does running look like during that time? Yeah. During that time, it was like very pre-run run crew, um, run group. I think I was completely burnt out from college. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just was burnt out from, from the scene. I mean, I think a lot of track athletes say they would like look at a track and get PTSD. Like I have not stepped foot on a track since mm. I graduated, which was 20 years ago. No, 18 years ago, 12 years ago. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I know I was thinking about the other day. I was like, wait, like, okay. I graduated in 2006. What is that number? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
anyways, I was just kind of looking to be by myself. So I did a bunch mm-hmm. of mileage. Um, I did like uh, a couple marathons for charity. Um, I had no idea what I was doing because just kind of like putts my way through it. And yeah, I was just using it as a way to explore these new places that I was mm-hmm. in. Cool. Yeah. 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 Since I didn't run in high school or college, I didn't step on a track until like, you know, my thirties. Yeah. Yeah. But so totally the opposite. So you're sort of a casual, I'm, I don't know. You joined the November project in Boston, right? Yeah. Right. And you're like working out with them. Yeah. And then like what brought you to San Francisco and what sort of inspired you to not only join, but actually like be the founder of, so you had to like actively start something. I know, which is like so wild. You know what's funny is that I finally feel like with these silly comedic reels that I've been doing is that like people are probably getting like a better understanding of who I am than even before. So Mm. Brogan and Boyan love to like talk about like how I'm the cynical one. And like, I was like, I never like truly believed in November Project and they're not wrong. Like I barely showed up in Boston. So why would I then go to San Francisco and start one? (laughs) Um, well in between San Francisco and Boston, I went to Africa. My friend was like building a triage center in Uganda. And so I had like asked them like, if there's anyone with extra shoes and clothing, um, that I can bring this like Catholic girl school, then I'll, I'll bring it. And like within 24 hours, like my entire apartment was full of stuff. And these are people that don't even know me because I barely showed up to the work. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe they're building something very cool here. Um, so anyways, I like went off with like my big tubs of clothing to Africa. And then when I went out to SF, I had already lived there once on a travel assignment. I lived out in Glen Park and took the bar all the way to like Fremont every day. So I didn't have any community because I was basically just working. And then I was running at five in the morning. And so I wanted to change it. I wanted to have a different SF experience. And so I figured that this would be like a great way to do it. And they told me no. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> like, um, at this point, there was only Madison, Wisconsin was the other city. So I kind of like got rolling and we started at Kizar and... We did like the stairs there and then it built very slow. It was, it was a nice organic flow, you know, like a growth. It wasn't anything viral. And I think that was like the, the most natural way to do it, at least for me. I, we had like a handful of newbies every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And so then it went to Alamo Square. It was in Alamo Square for a, a year or two. And then we switched to Alta Plaza. Um, and now it's at Dolores. So like, and then we've added days, we had hills on Fridays and other stuff on Mondays, but Wednesday is definitely like the core of it. And yeah, it just was like bigger and better. And also like me, like I, I did not build the Boston community. I did not build the Wisconsin community. Like the San Francisco crew that we had was, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very specific personality. Some people are not drawn to me at all. And So in that way, the people who kept showing up were like my people. Like they were very much my people. They were people who I would want to be friends with and they would want, I mean, obviously they had to tolerate being around me um, to come to my workouts. And so it just was like such a good crew. And like, I look back on those group photos with so much warmth because also like it was a, a very specific like age group. 
maybe not necessarily age group, but stage of life. So we were all in a very similar stage of life and showing up on those Wednesday mornings. We're all kind of, many of us were transplants just trying to find our way in San Francisco and quickly became good friends with one another. So very special time in my life for sure. Yeah. It's a great crew. I mean, like, cause then I'm like looking at pictures. I'm like, Oh, there you are with like Patty and Amy. And like, I know them. Like it's, yeah. It's Amy awesome. and I ran at Northeastern together. Okay. We were on the same track team. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you like get the word out, um, that this was happening and like, how did people just start showing up? Right. So this was like pretty much just Facebook, mm-hmm. a little bit of Instagram, but it was mostly Facebook. Um, do you remember like meetup? Is that a thing? Meetup.com. It was a thing. And then, yeah. And then, um, uh, free.com, like free events in San Francisco. Um, and then me and my friend, Sam Livermore, who has been around since like day one, I don't even actually know how I met her. How did she join? <laughs> but, um, through, I think a Nike friend, but we just talked the sidewalks with information. Yeah. I mean, we did, I wrote all the information for the workouts on snap bracelets and we would run around Golden Gate Park on the weekends and snap them on people's wrists. Just any unique way, fake parking tickets. Oh, that's so good. Cause they're <laughs> I mean, going to look at it. <laughs> today, I just like, don't think you would get away with, and this was only <laughs> what, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, but it's changed a lot. What was that? Do you remember like the first workout the first time you showed up like was anyone else there what was that like oh I mean it was I was nerve like that was nerve-wracking for every single workout for all five years okay of being like is anyone gonna be here is anyone actually gonna show up this morning the first workout I don't really remember it specifically but my older sister lived in San Francisco at the time so she came she the only workout she ever came to were the first three (laughs) (laughs) was she like all right I'm out And she's like, I'm out. She likes running by herself. It wasn't her thing, but she supported me the first three weeks. Um, But yeah, I think that like Amy showed up with her, or maybe solo. um, And then she finally dragged her husband who then became a regular. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was just like my friends. And then, you know, very slowly we, we started recruiting strangers and then we were like, wow, if strangers are coming, you know, then we can get more strangers. And yeah, so it was fun. That's awesome. I know I'd always be afraid like, oh, it's just, I'm just going to be me today, but that's okay. Right. As long as you have the mentality of like, well, whatever, then it's like the free workout. So it's like, no one has to come. Yeah. So at the time there were three November projects, Boston, Madison, San Francisco. I'm assuming like the Boston community was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Like what makes the San Francisco community unique or different than the Boston community or the New York community or something, the other ones out there. Now, because I haven't been back in years as brand new leaders, so I actually don't even know. Um, So I don't want to speak to what MPSF looks like now. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, Boston was um, much more diverse with age. They had like anywhere from like college students all the way up. And um, Madison and SF, I think we're a little bit younger. Uh, Madison's a college town. So, you know, 
But yeah, I think like the vibe of the SF community was unique and just like its flair. <laughs> it's, um, you know, Boston was like very competitive and I, I actually love being competitive. So I made San Francisco highly competitive <laughs> as well. Um, but just kind of like, like incredibly social, like incredibly mm. social, probably to a fall, you know? Um, because I think when you get to be that social, it becomes exclusive and we're trying to be inclusive, but, um, yeah, just like, I guess just like very in tune with the outdoors, outdoor activities. I mean, almost every weekend there was a camping trip, a hiking trip, a trail run. Um, yeah, it was kind of like summer camp, I guess but like every day because it's San Francisco. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Sign me up. I would yeah. go if I didn't live like 45 minutes away, but maybe uh, that's not an excuse. I'm sure people travel farther than me to join, but it like from, from an outsider's perspective, it looks like a lot of fun, but I can also see how it could feel intimidating, right? Like sure. everyone is close running together on the weekends. You're going on these vacations, um, and I, I've heard you talk in other places about like the attempt to make it more inclusive. And I've mm -hmm. also heard you talk about sort of you being um, like very sensitive and how criticism is very hard. And I can relate to that very much. Like if someone like even criticizes something I've like tangentially been involved with, I will like cry about it for a week and think about how I can make it better. I know. So yeah. I'm like wondering... Like, did that evolve over time? Did you have to just sort of, as you're leading this and even now, like in your role with November Project, sort of more globally, like how do you, how do you absorb that criticism and sort of take it and move on? And like, what did you, what did you learn during that time? Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause like, I feel like I grew up with November Project. I think I was 26 when I started and now I'm 36 and I just grew up with it. I was pretty like, what's the word I'm looking for? I just had like, um, a narrow train of thought of like when it came to like inclusion and, and competition. And I mean, I still kind of stand by that. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing to like have a group show up and be like, I want you guys to be competitive. But as November project grew, I think they're now in 58 cities. I don't work with them anymore, but I, it became a different thing, you know, mm -hmm. we, what became, what started as like a racing group where we like, were very like aggressive. <laughs> um, we learned that, that, you know, that was like offensive to a lot of people. It turned people away. And with someone we, our motto used to be just show up. And it became very clear that that was not accurate, like, you know, and it wasn't um, applicable to us. Um, so it was just a lot of learning and growth and still learning, still growing. And even like after I'm done with this, mm -hmm. um, we learned a lot about the run community. We learned a lot about run crew culture in general. And, but also learned that like, you absolutely cannot be everything for everyone. Right. You absolutely, it's actually impossible to do. And so kind of removing the language that implies that you are, you know, but yeah, my, my, my skin has gotten thicker for sure. And I also just think that's true with social media. Like at first we'd be like, Oh my gosh. But like now it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And so you'd have to like learn to get good at, at, yeah. at learning 
and being humble and being willing to learn and engage with the right people, but also not let it like keep you from sleep at night. Yeah. Depending, no, depending on what it is. Yeah. Like, like don't be a, an asshole on purpose, but like, but yeah, I mean, not everyone is going to like you and not everyone is gonna like you for or like sure. what you're doing. I mean, yeah, I think like I work sort of more in like the HR space at work and it's like, but we want everyone to love it here and like feel like it's, you know, the best in work environment on the planet. And it's just, you're never going to be all things to all people. And that's, yeah. that's hard, <laughs> but it's a good lesson. Yeah, it is a good yeah. lesson. Yeah. So you, you did eventually leave San Francisco and moved back mm-hmm. to the East coast. And now the, the, probably the most heartbreaking thing to oh, like talk about. Really? Okay. So let's go into it. Well, not to I make you like cry. No, I just miss it like, so much. What, what, what do you miss? Oh God, I miss it all. Okay. So also we lived, um, in the Castro, the last place that I lived with the last three years, me and my now husband, we got engaged there. We got married and we lived in this rose garden, um, right next to Dolores park in this tiny 300 square foot apartment. We called it the cottage. It was right above a two car garage. So essentially the size of a two car garage. And it was perfect. It was perfect. And we had this outdoor space that had fountains and roses and hummingbirds and um, a lemon tree. And just it was like a gathering place of people. And every weekend it was full with rosé flowing. And (laughs) it was just so lovely. Um, But yeah, I mean, I miss waking up on, on Saturday mornings and going to SFRC and like, just like, sometimes I confuse what I miss with like also just being pre-kid, you know, like, do I miss San Francisco or do I miss the freedom that I had when I lived there? Cause when I moved back, I had Jack three months later. So it's okay. kind of like all I have associated with Boston at this point is like a reduction of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, access to the outdoors, such a lovely city, like the apps, the absolute best people in the world. I just, uh, I just love it so much. And the weather, there is no better weather. And I don't even care about the fog. I will take the fog any day over a hundred degree heat wave with 80% humidity. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I like the fog actually. Like, yeah, I think it's kind of nice. Moody. It's like moody. It's cool. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I like running through trees with fog. I don't know. It feels like out of a movie or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a magical place. Yeah. No, it's, I love hearing you talk about that. Like, I think it is great. And just even getting to know people like in San Francisco, in that community, I was doing SFRC a few times um, last year. It's just been really hard for me to get out and do anything being pregnant and even run being pregnant as we were talking about, which has just been terrible. But, um, you know, like I can't wait, hopefully, I don't know, my freedom will be greatly reduced. My husband is going to, I'm going to be like, here, take the kid. I'm going to SFRC this morning. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think that what I found is even though like there's some incredible athletes and runners, like we talked about Amy and Patty who are both Mm-hmm. like, you know, professional athletes essentially, mm-hmm. but you still go to SFRC and everyone is, is welcomed. Right. The funny thing is, I don't know if this was your experience, but like you start going and you start running together and then inevitably you get dropped or at least that's oh, just okay. me. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm definitely running alone. <laughs> <laughs> I 
came on this group run. <laughs> yeah, like the first two miles were fine. And then just like, where am I going? But it's, but then it's great. You finish and then you all go and like have brunch or something. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it all works out. But yeah. So, um, so you guys decide to move back to Boston or what, what brought you back to the East Coast after San Francisco? Yeah, it was. So my husband's from Boston. I'm from New York and I never really considered moving back to New York. So we figured be close to family. Mm -hmm. We had a baby and I was six months pregnant and we're like, all right, let's do it. We couldn't, we couldn't even fit like a bassinet in our 300 square. (laughs) (laughs) enough. There wasn't even room for like a changing table. So we're like, okay, let's go. And at the time I like convinced myself that I felt ready. Um, And it was definitely the right choice in terms of like having family nearby, but man, it was a very difficult time. And going back in the summer when you're, you know, nine months pregnant is like, I was like, what is happening? What am I doing here? Um, And it was just a hard adjustment. All the people that I had in college had left, um, you know, started their families elsewhere. And so I was moving essentially to a new city. And so we settled in Cambridge which was nice because it did feel like a brand new city. Um, cause I didn't know Cambridge at all. And so, yeah, that was four years ago. So I've been kind of, which is wild actually, just to say that. Um, cause I feel like I just left the cottage. Well, yeah. And also two of those years, two plus have now been in right. a global pandemic. So it's a little yeah. different. Yeah. They don't even count. Take yeah. those out. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just been like a slow rebuild. It's been a rebuild of, 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 of my community. And like, yeah, I had November project here, but it was not my people. Like I kind of mm-hmm. said, and, um, and also just kind of like forging a new path, you know, I had a brand new identity as being a parent and just kind of meeting friends through that has also been good because yeah, you know, it's nice to have people going through what you're going through at the same yeah, time. For sure. So selfishly, like what, <laughs> uh, tell me everything. No. Um, what can I expect? But like, what, what was it like, you know, both from, um, as an athlete, like I've found there were so many things, like I knew that running might be challenging while I was pregnant, but I, I think I underestimated just how challenging it would be. Plus sort of what kind of an emotional wreck I would be without running in my life. Not because I'm not running, but because that was my time to process things. Mm-hmm. Like it took up so much mental and physical space that I didn't have time to like be anxious about other things. And it's made me realize like, wow, I really need this. So for you, like, what was it like, what was that shift from being, you know, n- no kids, like can focus on running, doing fun things to like, now you're a mom and now you have like this other thing that you suddenly have to take care of. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I, I also unbeknownst to me was kind of suffering from postpartum depression and I, and like, I probably was suffering before I even gave birth, um, due to the move and mm-hmm. like kind of like the lack of community, lack of identity. So yeah, my postpartum experience was like, you know, I gave birth at the end of September. It gets pretty cold and dark in November. And I kind of just kind of shut myself in a little. I did return to running pretty responsibly, you know, slow, steady, strength training. All I did all the things. Mm-hmm. The PT in me is proud. Um, but I was like able to do it without many obstacles, which is just 
honestly luck too, you know, Mm -hmm. like luck of the draw. Um, so I was able to kind of pick up training pretty quickly. And then I ran the Boston marathon six months postpartum, which there's absolutely no way I could have done that after my second kid. So it's like, it's kind of like each baby is different. Each body is different. Like nobody listening to this should think that that is a a feasible goal. It's a stupid goal, but it did work out pretty well for me. Um, I ran the first 18 miles and then like, like rolled my way to the finish line. (laughs) I ran, I ran really well through that first half. (laughs) It was just like, it was tough, but it got me out, um, in Boston winter. It gave me a reason to, to get out of the house. We had a colicky baby. We had postpartum depression and I just was like, and we were isolated. I mean, we had family, but we didn't have like a ton of friend support. And, and because I like, didn't even really acknowledge my depression. I like, wasn't even seeking friend support, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't even like kind of know how far in I was. Um, but anyways, second baby, completely different experience, went on medication the day that I left the hospital and it was incredible the difference that it made. Also just the experience and, and then also having a spring baby. So like every baby's different. Every postpartum experience is different. I... I have trouble differentiating, like, is this because I had a baby or is this because I left SF? Is this because I lost like my independence or is this because I lost my identity? Like, I don't quite know, like they all kind of intersect. So I don't know, like my postpartum experience with my first wasn't the best. And I don't know exactly why, but I think it was just everything. I think it yeah, was. I think it's like just the confluence of yeah, all of it. Yeah. It's. It's funny you mentioned the Boston Marathon. So I'm due at the end of September, probably will, looking like I'm going to give birth a little earlier, um, but like mid-September. But yeah, I'm qualified for Boston 2023. There we go. And of course, my plan like five months ago was like, hell yeah, I'm going to, I need, I think I need to register before I give birth. So I'm like, I'm totally going to register and that's going to be my goal. And like, you know, I already booked my hotel and all of that. And then about three weeks ago, I was just like, you know what? No, there's like just no way in hell that I can do this. And so I think also, also the big difference for me is I got like a, a a ride to the starting line. Like being local makes a huge difference. It's like, and then when I crossed the finish line, I called my husband and I was like, where are you guys at? And he was like, we're at the playground or like we're, we're on a walk yeah. and I was like, I'll Uber home. Like it yeah. just was like so casual in a way. There was no big fuss. I mean, Boston Marathon weekend is such a big ordeal, such especially a big ordeal. when you're coming in from out of town and then you'll yeah. be flying with a six month old. I totally get it. Aside from like you actually recovering and you actually getting your training in, there's like that whole travel element, which I did not have, which was big advantage. And I think that's like the big, like it's mm-hmm. definitely the physical. So me and Boston have not had like the best relationship. <laughs> I have not done great on that course in the past. And I'm just like, I need redemption, but I'm not sure six months after this having a baby it. It it's like, it. is time. I'm and you're here right. to tell you, I'm here to yeah, tell you this It's one. not it. It's not it. Not, no one's Carrie Goucher. She's the only one no, who's able to do that's that. That's what I think about all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's not me. And you're right. Like it is such a, like the hotels are inflated prices, the flights, like it's a lot. I'll make it back to Boston. It's just not going to be. 
So it, it made me feel really good about it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I did it because it honestly felt like a local 5K. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Just your local 5K at the Boston Marathon. Totally chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I like have always been an anxious person, have had underlying anxiety, like went on medication for depression when I was very young. And I'm not sure if it was depression or just horrible crippling anxiety, maybe a little bit of both, but I have had enough friends who have dealt with postpartum depression who said like, and who know me well enough that we're like, you need to get a therapist now. Like you need to start now. And so Mm. I think like the kind of what you were saying, if I don't know what it is, the same thing is true for me. Like, I don't know, is it the hormones? Is it the lack of like control right. over my body? Like the, the unknown is very yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. So it is all those things. And so like, just being able to say, you know what, this is a time in your life where like, it's super important to get help and be proactive. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, give me the drugs. Like as soon as I... <laughs> <laughs> it's like at birth because for real. My friend gave me yeah. that that um advice and I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. Is just like get ahead of it. Yeah. Because the hormone roller coaster is very real and the, the lack of sleep is real and you play it off. I mean, you're just like, well, this is normal, but it's not normal. It's just common. Like it's it's, it's the same stuff. So it's just like and having like a safe person, whether it be your husband or a family member, to be like, okay, this is what I'm observing. Cause it's, there's no way for you to see it. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. It's you're in it. You yeah. are, <laughs> you're just in it. I mean, you're trying to recover your own body while yeah. also keeping another baby alive. It's just unbelievable. So yeah. you'll do great though. Well, thank you. At least I'll have your uh, videos to laugh at. Thank you <laughs> yeah. for that. Providing lots of entertainment. So you, you mentioned that, um, you're a physical therapist, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's what you studied. And like, what does that look like now for you? I know that you've like, again, the stalking, you have like all of these amazing like side things. You had a podcast for a while. You have your sort of video production, uh, company, Mm -hmm. like, and I think I, I also listened to another podcast during the pandemic that you were on where you were taking a step back from physical therapy. Like, is that still part of your life or like, how does that fit into what Laura is up to today? Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I took a big step back from PT. So during the pandemic, I was home with Jack for six months. And then, um, I only went back a couple times a week and then I've been on that schedule since. So I work at the hospital down the street. It's a 10 minute walk. Like it doesn't get better. And it's with this amazing crew of therapists and doctors that, I don't know. It's, it's like my social time. So it's been really hard for me to actually like stop working. Um, even as the video stuff has picked up because I just enjoy working with people. Like Mm -hmm. working by myself is just not meant. It's not for me, but now, (laughs) so I've been doing that. I work in acute care, working through COVID's pretty tough, but because I've only working a couple days a week, it's been manageable. Um, but now things are really picking up ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> ever since I started posting these things and, um, in both ways. So I do, um, I'm done with my podcast, but I, uh, film legacy videos for people 
that tells their entire life story and puts it together in a beautiful package for their families um, to watch forever. And so that's been really special. It's been like this really meaningful project in my life. So I still am doing those. I do family films for these like families who want to like stop time and capture their little toddlers. And um, so that's been really fun. Um, But now I'm just focused on creating content. And it's funny, like I I was starting to make, I I have like six short films that I've been working on all year that have never felt right. Like they've Mm -hmm. never felt truly authentic to me. Like it's almost like I could watch myself like pretending to be someone who I thought like was making beautiful stuff. So like I would look at something that I thought was great and then I was trying to replicate it in a, in my own style. Um, and it just wasn't coming together. Like I would just kind of like stare at these edits and be like, this doesn't, this is good. It's not great. It's good, but it's, but like something doesn't feel like it's almost like not my voice coming through. And so clearly comedy is much more of my style. Like <laughs> anyone who came to November projects, like knew that, like I use that as like my stand up comedy time. Like I would stand in front of the group and like use all my new material. <laughs> and so it's so funny that like, I've been trying to kind of figure out where I want to take all this stuff between the podcast and the video and the whatever. And now it's like, it just seems like it's all making sense for once, which is exciting. And so it's like all the stuff I've been working on pretty much my whole life, but didn't really have a direction for is now finding a a home. (laughs) I mean, it's so good. Like it's, it's pretty niche, right? Like we think that like, like everyone, everyone like would get it. Right. And really it's a very like not it's like niche within the niche. Like <laughs> yeah. some of these jokes, I'm like, like even like my trail friends do not understand the track ones. And then the track ones don't understand the trail ones. I mean, it's it is not universal at all. But. It's and it even that, but like the group of people it resonates with, it's so spot on that it like it brings so much joy. Like it's so <laughs> good. I mean yeah. It's like, oh, you post a new video. Like, okay, what are we going to just like laugh about we, today? Who are we making fun of today? Yeah, who, are we, who are we relating to today? Um, a couple questions. Like, so how, what inspired you to make the first one? Like, how did you get started with that? So actually my friend Sasha, she actually runs content with Patagonia Trail. And oh, nice. she's a big, um, she lived in San Francisco for years. Do you know Sasha? No. She's amazing. And so she's one of my best running friends. And well, she's one of my best friends, but she's my best running friend. Um, <laughs> anyways, she uh, came to Boston and we went for a run as we do. And she goes, maybe you just need to start making comedy stuff like with your voice. And I was like, I don't know. Like one, I don't act. And like two, like I've never been one to like hold up my phone and take a selfie video, like ever, ever. And like, I was still using Instagram as like with, without my face in it for years. Like I really was kind of like refusing to like create a personal brand, all that stuff. And she was like, she showed me like a few different people who actually don't do run. They just do other forms of comedy. And she's like, this person reminds me of you. This person reminds me of this. And I was like, okay, I think I could get behind this because it's almost like sketch comedy and it's, um, 
it's not so like vulnerable, right? Where like it's stand up or, um, or even just kind of, there are these like amazing and very funny people like, um, Mrs. Space Cadet is one I talk about all the time. She's awesome. And, but it's like her very much her and like her life and her running journey. Whereas mine is like, I'm writing characters. And so it's less vulnerable. (laughs) Which is kind of good, even though I'm all of the characters. Yeah, I think <laughs> I've been every single one of these people. Like you're um, still putting yourself out there, and like, is this? And also, I'm just like, this looks hard. Like, I don't even know. I don't have the ability to like film the video. So, like, one of my my favorites is the different like running brands that come to the party. Um, that took way too long to film. <laughs> <laughs> <was> like that. <laughs> looks like it took a lot of effort. But it was also like so, just so good, so spot on. We, when you were talking earlier about how Asics gave you a bib, I can't remember. Was Asics one of the brands? No. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, what? What would Asics be? What's their persona? I know. Well, so it's funny. Like people like talk. We talk about niche, right? Market. Like that is like so. Yeah, and so, but the people who love it want more. They like want other brands. They want whatever. And so, I am writing one right now. Um, it's not a house party. It's something a little different. But okay. some of these brands kind of stump me. And it's funny because I'm actually an Asics stan. I have been mm. wearing the Asics Nimbus since I was 13 years old, and I have ventured out to others, and I always come back. And so, I love me some Asics. But like, can I tell you exactly who they are as a brand? No, I don't. I don't. Not quite sure. So working on it. Working on it. <laughs> working on it. But I, some of them are yeah. so obvious. It, and totally. Like so, yeah. They're it so easy. easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny with Asics too, because like I remember, yeah, that was like you bought, if you were going to run, you bought Asics shoes. Like at least that's like how it was. Cockney. Yeah. Like growing up. And then, you know, it kind of like, you know, obviously like Dina Castor was sponsored by ASICS and Ryan Hall and like Sarah Hall, but you know, Sarah hadn't had her like big renaissance yet. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, what is this brand doing? They're, they're kind of gone away. And now it's like, it feels like they're, they're back in a big way, but I still don't know like who they are. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. I'll try yeah. and get to the bottom of it. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm this looking weekend, I'll get to, to the it. bottom of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, I mean, their shoes are great. Their athletes are great. Like their shoes are great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny. Um, I've gotten to know Sarah a little bit through my coach who coached Sarah at Stanford and she's just like the loveliest. She's exactly like what you would expect. The loveliest, like most wonderful person. So I'm like, I don't know, is that Asics? Just like the nicest person on the planet? Um, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Um, yeah, totally. And then you've done, you've, I loved like your commentary ones of like Kara Goucher, like commenting on like Molly Seidel's, <laughs> you know, Olympic bronze medal. And then the latest one with Des. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering like, cause Kara like obviously saw it and commented and same with Des. Like what, what is it like? interacting with these people and being like, Oh my God, these people are looking at it. Like, how does that make you feel? Um, Okay. I sound like such a nerd, but I think it's awesome. And I, 
take screenshots and then I like <laughs> highlight them and I send them to my sisters and I'm like, look who commented. <laughs> um, because if you're not celebrating that, then like, what am I even doing right. out here? You know, like I'm as big of a running nerd as the person who watches. So like, I very much appreciate it. And I think it's so sweet when they like choose to interact with, <laughs> with my stuff. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Des, I've met a few times now. And I'm at the point where, you know, she still doesn't follow me on Instagram. And <laughs> we got to change that. We're getting to a point yeah. where it's getting a little ridiculous. But you know what? She's playing hard to get and she's winning. She's she's just, she's not going to be gotten. And that's okay. But but yeah, I mean, Kara Goucher was like such an idol of mine. Yeah. And I mean, her and like the Shalanes and... Yeah, it's just exciting. Like every time I see, but like I was an 800 runner, right? Like I wasn't even a distance runner. I was an 800 runner. So like when I see like Alicia comments, like I lose my mind and um, just, yeah. That's so cool. Like, like I put one with, uh, see, I still call Jenny Berenger in my head, but um, with Jerry Simpson, Jenny Simpson. And I'm like, is Jenny going to see my stuff? (laughs) Come on, Jenny, you know? (laughs) I feel like if enough people tagged her in it, she would. Like, yeah, she's I don't know. She's not on Instagram. She doesn't care. You know, like she's yeah. busy. I don't yeah. know. She's doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, that's so good. How do you like come up with these ideas? Like, do you? You said you're writing a new one. Like, are you writing yeah. it out? Is it like spur of the moment? Divine yeah. inspiration. It's both. So, um, Brogan actually, one of the co-founders of Navarin Project he's been very fun to like kind of co-write these with. Um, so like I'll come up with an idea or maybe he will, and then we'll just like spitball brainstorm and we're just throwing jokes out left, right, left, right, left, right. And then I kind of sit down and write what I think would be best. Um, and he has a very good grasp on the run industry, but he's not track. And Mm. so like he saw the Des one, for example, and was like, I don't get it. Like he just didn't get it. And I was like, okay, come on. All right, next. <laughs> he didn't watch um, the press conference of like whiskey is bourbon and like, oh, <laughs> what? Can um, you even call yourself a runner if you don't know what that means? No. Um, but yeah, so he's been an incredible support and, um, person just to kind of like, he's very funny. So like, it's just like easy for us. And we've been doing, we've honestly been doing this for 10 years and now it's just coming up on the screen, but like, we've been writing these or talking about these or like performing these in like, you know, at social gatherings since we started hanging out. So it's very fun for us. Um, I also have a couple other run friends who, who I'll like be like, what about this idea? What about that idea? And then they'll like, I'll be like, what did you say when it was really hot? Like, what are things that go through your mind? Mm -hmm. And I make sure that like, I have at least most of them written down. Mm -hmm. So some of them, like the brand one, I mean, I'm working on one actually right now with podcast hosts, like the, the run podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those require so much more like an actual script, you know, props, accents like I don't know like like, again I'm not an actor so it's like such a push for me but then there are times where this afternoon it was three o'clock and I was like I should make something before I get the boys at 4 30 and I wrote a script went outside filmed it edited it and it's done before 4 30 so it's like it's kind of 
hit or miss. Yeah. Um, depending on how many props are involved <laughs> or costume changes. I'm making some videos right now for Brooks and one of them required eight different costume changes. Oh. And I was just like, <laughs> that took up most of the time the other day. <laughs> and are you doing that as part of like your video production thing? So it's actually like, you know, it's like a gig. It's like, you know, it is. you're hopefully getting yeah. paid for it. I would imagine. I know. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of this like cool thing and of like, um, everything coming together. Cause it's like, there are brands that reach out and they're like, can you do this for product? And I'm like, no, because <laughs> like, I'm not just holding up a cell phone and like taking 15 seconds. Like these take me hours yeah. to make and more time than I'd like to admit. Um, but, and there's like a lot of thought that goes into them and a lot of creativity. And I think that all like content creators should get paid with actual money. I mean, product is great, but money's much better. And yeah. And I think just like having the skill, some of them don't come out great video quality because it is really hard to film yourself. Um, but some of them are pretty good and it's like, okay, like this is like higher quality than just like, you know, taking a 15 second video in my kitchen and calling it a day. Right. Um, so that's kind of the more of the stuff that I'm interested in, not just like building up a huge resume of brands that want to send me this, that, whatever. Like I would rather like a few brands that, I can like help, you know, um, make really creative stuff and like just funny stuff, like make fun of them. Like I love brands that like don't mind getting made fun of. Um, Brooks has always been that way. I mean, you saw they, they comment on like all my stuff where they're like, like, do you want to see a party trick? Like, I love that, that they can like sit back and laugh at themselves. And that just like speaks a lot about who they are. I think. Yeah, it's like that self-deprecating sense of yeah, humor. Yeah, no, everyone yeah. could use some self-deprecating humor. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think that, and again, this would be super niche, and I'm like not sure how it would work. But you should open for like Michelle Wolf. You should like go to some select, oh god, select oh god, shows that would be like the dream that are like super running focus. So like, go to Portland, go to Eugene, like. It would have to be very run focused. <laughs> I don't have a stand up routine. I would like, I would have to really, really build something there. But even just meeting Michelle Wolf would be the best. She seems awesome. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I remember like learning that she was a runner and I was just like, oh, she's one of us. And then watching her like geek out at World Champs, I was like, yeah, we can relate. And like no oh, one what? else, I'm sure like 90% of her fans are like, what the hell are you doing? But whatever, who cares? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love her. She's, I mean, and I just, I've never done stand up. I think that stand up comedians are just like so next level and so brave and <laughs> amazing. It looks fun and very hard and yes, like very hard. But I think comedians are like some of the most interesting people. I don't know. I love listening to comedy podcasts, but like podcasts hosted by comedians. They're, si- they're sometimes like some of the most introspective people ever. And you're like, Oh, I listen to so many podcasts during the pandemic, learning about comedians, like processes Mm. and like how they like get to where they are. And which is so funny. Cause like, I never, ever would have like put myself in a category of comedian ever. And, but I'm just fascinated by them. It's, I mean, it's amazing how they can take like any topic and just make it the funniest thing ever. I remember, I don't know how many years ago, but I went to Sketchfest in San Francisco, which is so fun. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of the comedian Moshe Kasher, who he's like an Oakland native and okay. he has a podcast with his wife, Natasha Legero called Endless Honeymoon, which is pretty good. 
but he also, I don't know if he does this anymore, but he had this podcast called Hound Hall where he would bring like a group of expert, a group of comedians and then an expert on like any given topic. And they would just sort of riff on it. And they did one on the history of San Francisco. And it was just like, it's just the history of San Francisco. And it's this like San Francisco historian with a bunch of comedians just... That's incredible. It was, yeah, I'll send you it. It was so good, but... That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I know we're... Thank you so much for your time. It's getting late there. And we started late because of like my <laughs> screw up and then like some technical <laughs> difficulties. <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up, like a couple... One question before we get into some rapid fire questions, but... When you think about sort of your relationship with running in 10, 20, 30 years, like, what do you think it looks like? Oh, I hope it just keeps changing. I've, I've had such different and drastic relationships with it over the years. Um, and I just, I think that's what's so cool. It's such a constant in my life, but it serves as such a different purpose um, with every season of life. I mean, right now it's just to get out the door and, there's absolutely no um, ego in it, which is a lovely place to be. Um, but I don't want to sit here forever. You know, I hope it evolves into the next thing. Um, and so, yeah, but I hope it's there. I just hope it stays with me like a, like a warm hug. Like a warm hug. Like some, I don't know, I was going to try to make a joke. Some like whiskey that goes down in a warm, yeah, in a warm yeah, way. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So we just have a few rapid fire questions that we ask all our guests. Um, what is your favorite place for a long run in the Bay Area? Oh, for the Bay Area. So my long run used to be, um, oh, actually I had a couple of different ones. Well, so in Glen Park, I would just go straight all the way out to ocean, uh, to the ocean and then up and around. I'm sure everybody gives you this one. And then it goes, you know, like you outline the city mm-hmm. and it ended up being like 24 miles. That's like oh, wow. marathon training long. Yeah. yeah. Um, Golden Gate Park, I've probably logged thousands of miles in Golden Gate Park. It's just the best. But then also I loved going up to, um, what's the one? Sutro. Sutro Forest is like so underrated and not enough people know about it. Um, So I think I like, I popped into Sutro at least two or three times a week when I was in the Castro. It was just the best, just straight uphill. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, Yeah. Oh my God. I can keep going. Do you want to go (laughs) this? I, I mean, it love is. That city so much. It's like I haven't done a whole lot of like San Francisco specific running, but when you get in any on any of the trails or like go in the Marin Headlands, you're like, how do I live here? Like, what? Oh, it's so fake. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's wild. It's the best. Um, what is the last time you laughed uncontrollably? Oh my god, I really do laugh uncontrollably almost every day. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and not just at myself, (laughs) I'm very good at laughing at other people. And yeah, like I don't find myself that funny, but I find like the people around me genuinely so funny. Um, I've surrounded myself with some incredibly funny people. So yeah, I mean, at least three or four times a week. That's great. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. All right. If you could go on a long run with anyone, who would it be? Mm. Oh gosh, I should have had this answer prepared. My mind is like racing through all of these people right now. Um, 
okay, I know she's been like under fire in the last few years, but maybe that's what we were talking about. I would love to go with Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> but maybe that, that's what we'd get into it. We'd get into it. And I'd be like, Ellen, yeah. what's going on? Can you tell me the truth behind everything and tell me what you've learned? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you a, a more evolved person now? I'm like, yeah. Love that. Oh my gosh. I mean, the entire cast of Arrested Development, I would love to go for a run with them. Um, yeah. I mean, there's like such a long list of so people. Many people. Yeah. What is a piece of running gear you can't live without? Honestly, nothing. nothing. No. Yeah. I mean, I like that. Nothing is like, you can, I always feel like, oh my, like I've forgotten headphones or forgotten to charge them or like my watch dies. And what I realized I, is I like, struggle, I'm okay. I, I don't, I don't struggle with the watch anymore. Talking about the season of life I'm in. Uh-huh. Um, I do get bored. I do like headphones. I do like headphones. Today I was like on my first headphone-less run in a long time, which was also nice in its own way. But no, that's true. I do like some music. Mm. Um, I wouldn't want to go forever without music. Yeah. Yeah. But what I realize is like, if they die, I will not die. I will be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Summer or winter running? (laughs) After like... After my my violent post about summer running. Yeah. Okay, so in New England, um, okay, I still am probably going to vote for summer. I am. Because if you get out at like 4 a.m., <laughs> it's, it's fine. Bad. Whereas if you get out 4 a.m. in the winter, you're, yeah, not so I fun. absolutely hate running in the heat. The, I, I, if it didn't snow and ice in New England, I would always choose winter. I like to be bundled up. I mm-hmm. like to like take layers off. Like I love the cold. I love running in the cold, but um, it gets messy. Yeah. I think that's my biggest issue with winter, right? And then you're not really running. You're just kind of like hobbling around, like trying not to fall. So a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, my it was really funny. I, I posted like a poll being like, what do you guys like more summer or fall winter? And I got a hundred plus messages of people explaining their answer. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but yeah, this just requires kind of like what I just did. an explanation. No, I mean, my husband is from Michigan and we go back in the winter sometimes and I grew up in California. And so like, I'm like full on with like, like spikes on my shoes. Like I don't even, you know, and then there's people that are just like, running in, I don't know, Nike Pegasus with nothing on them. They're fine. Like they're not slipping and sliding. They look great. And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm, what I'm doing here, but (laughs) it's a process. process. And our final, most important question, burger, burrito, or pizza? Pizza. 1000%. Oh yeah. Well, did you have a favorite pizza place in San Francisco? Oh my gosh. They shut down because of like, like health violations. (laughs) Okay. I think their name was Farina. It was on the corner of Valencia and 18th. And so sad. It was like the most amazing, like most authentic Italian pizza, you know? And we almost every Friday night we would get two pizzas and it was just it was heartbreaking. It closed kind of like as we were leaving and I was like, it's a sign. It's a sign. Well, we've been, re- we've been eating all that wrap pizza. I mean, it was a beautiful <laughs> restaurant. It just clearly they weren't up to code behind the scenes. Um, but yeah. RIP. RIP. Well, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate, I know it's late there. I, it was so great getting to chat with you. I'm so excited. Thank you, for, Thank you so much for having for me. Video. Yeah. And just wishing you 
the best of luck with everything. I'm going to continue to be a stalker. And then yeah, if our paths ever cross, I'm going to make you hang out with me. So and good luck with, yeah. with labor and <laughs> postpartum. Make sure you got all those padsicles in your freezer. Did you make those yet? <laughs> I haven't. No, but I've seen them. I did just get a big delivery of, um, of, uh, what is it called? Dis- like uh, the underwear, the like disposable underwear. Oh, yes. or, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause I read mm-hmm. that you are adult diapers. Actually, that's, I was like, what's the word? They're adult diapers. Cause I, <laughs> I read that that's what you need. So that's, that's yeah. true. someone in your life is telling you the honest truth, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have a great night. Thank you so Thank much. You. Take care. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Laura Green. You can find Laura on Instagram, which highly recommend, at Laura MC Green. You can also follow her on Strava at Laura Green. As always, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at Runners of the Bay. Send us a DM, send us an email, runnersofthebay at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you. We have lots of guest ideas. I think, you know, I'm getting ready for a baby and hoping that, you know, in between feedings and like a screaming child, I will still have time to record. Very much want to make sure that I am making this a priority during maternity leave, but really looking forward to what's next and talking more about that and just sharing that journey with all of you. Uh, Check out our website, runnersofthebay.com. And if you are so inclined, we would love it if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. We love hearing from you. We're really committed to this community despite sort of, you know, not releasing an episode every week. We're thinking about it every week. Um, And there's just so many more great stories that we need to tell. So thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon.